Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me again this week is Matt Irwin. Matt, how are you today? I'm very well, Robert. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks for coming back on the show. I guess you didn't hate us that much. I guess nobody called you and said you did a terrible job, so that's good. I'm glad that you're back. They, uh, several people called me and told me I did a, a terrible job, but, but I'm, doing this out, I'm doing this out of spite. <laughs> you're going to be even worse this week. All right I'm, all right. I'm all for it. What are we talking about this week? We're talking about a couple of local government political stories. There's been some developments both in Louisville and in northern Kentucky. Uh, pretty big deals, uh, but these are like political elected office stuff. You know, it is that season where people are deciding what to run for, deciding if they're going to run, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to talk slightly about this study that's been released by the League of Women Voters here in Kentucky. They studied the legislature uh, and, and and kind of what they've been doing tactically and how things have gone over the past several years. And it's it's interesting and uh, very clearly it's getting worse. The way that they operate is getting worse. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We are going to talk about the uh, an update to the Louisville crime bill. Uh, this is something that's been kind of making its way through. Uh, it kind of I guess it was like last summer. I don't remember exactly what precipitated it, but the Louisville Republican House members, of which there's like four or five, maybe six, they put forth like several ideas uh, on how to deal with crime uh, that were all mostly pretty bad ideas, um, but they have an update to this. They're pulling something out of it uh, and going to have it as a standalone bill. We'll talk about that. And then there are a few quick hits that we want to get to as well. So that's lots to do. So let's jump into it. Matt, you remember last week when we talked about Josie Raymond making the switch from the uh, State House of Representatives to Metro Council, right? Uh, she's, she's up for election and it hasn't happened yet, but yeah, I, I do remember talking. Yes, about. that's right. That's right. Making the switch to running for State House of Representatives because she wasn't elected in 2024 for that either. That's correct. Um, yeah, and I was trying to think about this. I don't think that that's ever been done before. And since, since the creation of the Metro Council, I don't think anyone has ever gone from state legislature to Metro Council. Um, if you think of anybody, let me know. But now, this week, someone else said they were making the same jump, and that is Kevin Bratcher announced he was going to be doing the same thing. He's going to be moving from his house seat, or he's going to be attempting to move from his house seat to the Metro Council. Uh, the, the Metro Council person from his district, Robin Engel, also is leaving. Robin Engel has been there since the very start of the Metro Council, which I believe was 2002. So he's been there quite a long time. And, uh, yeah, and and Kevin Bratcher, who's been serving in the House for 26 years, is going to be looking to make the jump to City Hall. Um, so, Matt, yeah, this is an unusual track no one's really done this before to go from state government to local government what, what does it say to you that two people from different parties in very different situations in frankfurt are both making the jump to the metro council like what is that what does that mean well i mean the, the one for josie raymond makes a lot of sense you know our last discussion um last time was about how an ambitious democrat like this is now the avenue that's sort of open to you and the frustrations of being in the super minority and, you know, but Bratcher leaving Frankfurt for Metro Council is a much bigger shock. Like people, uh, you know, were sort of questioning it, whether it was like a pension move or he said that he's getting older and, you know, doesn't want to go, go to Frankfurt anymore. And we're saying they cared more about local issues now, but, uh, you know, it, it is, it is a puzzler. And one, I think that, smart people will will need to keep their eye on like to me the most 
fascinating dynamic here is a guy who's going from, you know, he's a chairman and he's been around under the dome for a long time. He's a known commodity. He's um, somebody who can really get pieces of legislation through the, through the legislature. legislature. Now he's going to go to a minority member of the Metro council. I, I think that his position there is going, the most interesting place for him is he's going to be this connective tissue between the Metro council Metro government, essentially, and um, the uh, majorities in Frankfurt. So he might end up being, you know, in, in a very influential position with this move. Yeah, that's a that's a good point uh, in that he will, you know, Ken Fleming, I think, is probably in that role right now, having gone from Metro Council up to. So he served with a lot of the Republicans on the Metro Council and then moved up to state government, I guess. And, like, I don't think that there's anybody else that's gone the other direction, like Metro Council to state government. Jerry Miller, who's... Oh, now, uh, right. Julie Rocky Adams. That's right. That's right. She was she was in Metro Council for a while. and then, So they do have a few that have gone that direction, but not that... Yeah. not Nobody, right, nobody ever has gone from state government into City Hall. So that, having communication going that direction is, yeah, could be potentially valuable to the Republicans. Absolutely. Something I thought about, too, is... You know, Kevin Bratcher has been in the House for 26 years, served since 1997. He spent 20 years in the minority. Most of his his legislative career was as a minority legislator. And, you know, going into the majority, you know, most people think it's more fun. But there are some people that, that genuinely do enjoy doing minority work a little better. You get to be a bit more of a bomb thrower. You get to be a little bit more of like a stand on, stand on your stand on your issue and, and uh, take a stand. And, you know, you don't have to, like, actually shepherd legislation through. Being a chairman is very hard. There's a lot of mouths to feed. you got to make sure everybody's happy. And if you're in the minority, you can just sit there and yell at people and uh, kind of call it a day. And that's enough for some people. I don't know if Kevin Bratcher's that guy. Um, but maybe that's the reason he's leaving. It could be. Um, you know, in the, the small time that I, I worked in the legislature, like he had a very good working relationship with um, Democratic leadership in the House. He wasn't part of a, a, a he wasn't a, a firebrand. He could get bills passed. His opinion was listened to. <clears throat> I mean, the, your point makes me wonder, too, if he might not be completely kosher with the direction of the legislature right now sure i mean i mean the way old school democrats and and he's an old school republican it just might not be his cup of tea anymore yeah and i do think that some of the issues that he's the most passionate about that i disagree with him the most on which are mostly around like policing and use of force and and uh schooling especially uh, you know, he has the opportunity to make a lot of difference on those issues in, in Metro Council, um, maybe even more so than he did in, in Frankfurt. Now, of course, he's working from a, a minority position versus a majority position. Um, but, you know, he's working much more directly, like with the police themselves, which is, I know, a big deal for him. So, yeah, and, and, and definitely there are a lot of directions with the, the more strident, more right wing parts of the party that a lot of people aren't aren't comfortable with. And that could certainly be it. And that was, I just want to make clear, that was just a, an idea that yeah, I had. No, he we might, don't know. He might, he might be very, very comfortable with the direction of House Democrats in Frankfurt. Yeah, just, House Republicans. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, House Republicans. Yeah, Thank you. Totally cool. No, yeah, he, uh, yeah, it, it, it is con- kind of confusing. And, you know, the thing, one other thing is he does, he has been facing, like, increasing amounts of, of electoral pressure. Um, in his seat in Frankfurt. It's perpetually one of the most highly targeted seats in 
Frankfurt, and um, you know when he when he had an opponent, I guess it was four years ago at this point or three years ago at this point. Um, that the person he ran against almost won. I think she only lost by like five or six points. And then last year he had multiple different opponents that ended up getting kicked off the ballot. But they were both making everybody that ran in that district was making a lot of uh, progress, and a lot of people were very hopeful and they were running really hard before they got removed. That and that's been the case for a, a really long time. I remember in twenty fourteen yeah. they ran Dave Stingle, yeah, against Bratcher, but and Greg Stumbo and and Rocky and all those guys were like, well, well I mean, we got him now. That I, I will I will say this: Kevin Bratcher is a political survivor. Yeah, he is. You know, but I don't know how he pulls it out, but that guy pulls it out. So I don't know if he's getting. Cha- I don't think he's getting chased out because he's worried about defeating the ballot box. So I think that you know. Yeah, it's I, something I else. I don't think he thinks he's going to lose, but like maybe he's tired of working as hard as he has had to. Um, you know, maybe not. I don't know. That's a good. Point. Uh, it's true. It's true of almost everybody I know. So <laughs> to be true to him, <laughs> that's true. All right. Enough about Kevin Bratcher. There's another piece of local uh, politics news, and that's that in northern Kentucky, Covington Mayor Joe Meyer announced that he would retire from public service after his term ends early next year. Mayor Meyer has served as an elected official in Kenton County for a very long time. He's in addition to two terms as mayor, so he's wrapping up a second term as mayor. He also spent 15 years in the legislature, Kentucky legislature, having been elected from um, his Kenton County seat. And I think in, in between there, he wasn't elected, but he worked for an administration. And I guess that would have been the Steve Bashir administration. I don't know. Yep. I, yeah, you, you know, you know. Okay, yeah. So that he was in the Steve Bashir administration, I think doing something around parks or wildlife or something like that. So anyways, he's a longtime uh, political hand up there in northern Kentucky, a very important Democrat up there in northern Kentucky. Um, you know, northern Kentucky has has shifted su- substantially. It's, it's gone through a lot of interesting kind of changes. It certainly was... You know, uh, all of those areas along the river have always been like highly democratic, like Covington and uh, and uh, Newport and Dayton and uh, those little cities up there, Bel- Bellevue. Uh, like those places have been very democratic for a long time, but the entire counties have have like shifted to become not just more democratic but more liberal and the republicans have kind of shifted as well away from kind of being the more moderate like chamber of commerce republicans out there in northern kentucky where boone county is now kind of the like headquarters of the liberty caucus um where where like all of the kind of the the savannah maddox people all kind of come from so you know mayor meyer has been there as like kind of a steadying hand and 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 i I say that with both you know there's a lot of people who are his political enemies that are Democrats, but he has been a, a strong leader up there for a long time. Um, and, and so it's going to be interesting to see if he, in addition to retiring from you know public life and elected office, he does also exit kind of the political scene. That's going to be something I think is going to be interesting. How involved is he going to be in um, uh, you know continuing to, to have a hand in party operations or, or elections or, or whatever? Um, that's going to be something to watch. Um, and then just as another aside, like Ron Washington, who's the Covington County Commissioner, has declared that he is going to be a candidate for the mayor's race. So there already is um, somebody looking for it. I would be shocked if there weren't a lot more. That's a seat that's kind of a big deal. Covington's a very big city like for Kentucky. Uh, you know, we don't have that many big cities. It's one of the bigger ones. And, um, you know, there's that spot's been taken for a long time, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that want it. So, Matt, how familiar are you with uh, Joe Meyer, and, and what, is this, what does this all mean to you? I mean, not particularly well, but, um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of people in Democratic politics in Kentucky that don't know and respect them. And the fact that you can keep 
party going through, you know, lean times and, and fat times up there. Um, he's very respectful of that. I'd, I'd be shocked if somebody from the D trip didn't at least approach him about running against Massey. Yeah. I think He'd be, be great. you know, I, I don't, I think that that would be an uphill battle just because of the district, but he'd be one of the only people I could think that would, if, if he jumped in the race, he'd say, wow, you know, go for it. He's, he's been in legislative government before he was in the general assembly for a long time. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying that that I don't have any inside information. I would just be shocked if he wasn't uh, at least approached that, that district is so interesting that the fifth <sighs> congressional, because is it the fifth or the fourth? That's the fifth. Whatever that one is, I think it. it no, it's the fourth. It's the fourth. I think it's the fourth. Yeah, yeah the fourth, fourth is really Sorry. interesting to me because I think the fifth is uh, uh, Eastern Kentucky. Um, the the fourth though is really interesting because it stretches all the way along the river, like it goes through Northern Kentucky, but then it goes all the way to Ashland on the eastern side, and then it goes all the way down, like close to. It goes into Jefferson County. It goes into Jefferson County, but it also picks up all of Oldham and, and I think most of Shelby as well. So it, it's like, you know, you think about somebody like Joe Meyer running in a place like Shelbyville, LaGrange, and then even like Ashland. Like, I think that that's he's the kind of guy that plays well there. Um, and, and there are a lot of people that are frustrated with with Thomas Massey. Um, you know, I, I do know that, like, that's that is true of a lot of people. There's been a lot of it's it's a it's a safe Republican district, but. You know, we've seen kind of these crazier Republicans almost blow it in safe Republican districts when they have a good opponent. Like Lauren Boebert there in Colorado 3, which is extremely safe for Republicans, almost lost her race last time around. Thomas Massey uh, is about the same as her. I don't know. Like, maybe he doesn't do yeah, something I mean, crazy. On, on, a, he doesn't on the to... spectrum of things, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's maybe... toward one of the ends of the bell curve. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't. I think he's, he, 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 he keeps his hands to himself when he's at uh you know musicals or whatever but uh <laughs> yeah but you he definitely know, is you don't know that yeah i you know i don't i don't think he goes outside though doesn't he like live fully off the grid i, th- I think that yeah i think yeah. That, but uh, honestly like if it, i've always said if you're gonna you know beat him he would get beat by a well-funded business republican and from oldham county like just basically take that part of the district and um but you know weird things happen in weird years and 24 is going to be a weird year so it's going to be so weird it's going to be really odd it's good i I hope it's weird in a good way there's no way to know yet though yeah um okay so those were all of the local government happenings we wanted to talk about uh the next thing i wanted to mention was this league of women voters study where they studied the legislature so if you aren't familiar the League of Women Voters is a civic organization with a very long history of tracking like very important things in the government. Um, all the way back to like the Kennedy-Nixon debates, they used to be like in charge of the presidential debates, and they did that for like thirty or forty years. And then there was like a government institution that kind of took over for them. But that's like the type of stuff they do. They host debates. They tell people about what's going on in state and legislatures and the federal Congress and local government. Like they, there's a, there's a, a civic organization, a very important civic organization. They're very neutral. I think most of the time they're good government folks. Um, that's like what they're about. And, and, and they released a study, the League of Women Voters here in Kentucky. They released a study last week that examined the use of techniques by the legislature that reduce transparency and lessen the public's ability to provide input into the legislative process. 
And they looked at like four specific maneuvers and, and what they were were holding readings of bills before committees take action. So the way it's traditionally supposed to work is that the committee will do a hearing on the bill. They'll mark it up, which means like make some changes, like come to a conclusion how they want to pass it out of the committee. And then it will be like read in front of the House, um, which basically just gives legislators a, a bit of time to digest the bill as it exists, to read it, etc. And what has been happening is... Uh, the legislation, the the leadership will just have the bill read before the committee has made any action to may make it allowed to go to the floor more quickly and pass more quickly without more like looking at it and understanding what's going on. So that's the first thing they're doing. The second is providing committee substitute bills at the last second. So that's something else. Leadership in a committee can take a, a bill that's been filed. They can basically completely change everything in it and then hand it to the committee. And of course. You should be giving people a chance to read it, to digest it, to think about it so that they can have a, a reasoned discussion about it. But that's not how it happens. They typically give it to the people and then say we're voting on it right now before we've read, read it at all, which is total nonsense, but happens all the time. That's the second thing that's happening. The third thing is holding floor votes on bills on the same day that committee action takes place. That's just what I was saying with like the readings happening before the, the committees take action. That basically what you'll see happen is the bill will be read in its original form three times. It will be going to a committee. They will put a new substitute in that has nothing to do with the bill that has been read before. It will pass out a committee with no one having read it, and then will go directly to the floor with no one having read it, and will be passed by that chamber just because the leadership says that's what we're doing that day. So that's that's the third thing that's happening. And the last thing is holding floor votes on the same day as free conference committee bills are produced. The other way that this can happen, uh, all of this kind of legislative shenanigans happen, is that if a bill passes in two different forms in the House and Senate that the House and Senate sends members to what's called a conference committee who then come up with a compromise. And if it's a free conference committee, that means anything can go into it. It is not restricted to what's in either bill. They can do whatever they want to. And then the new bill that could include anything is then passed by both chambers on the same day. So those are the four things that the League of Women Voters looked at. And these, yeah, these actions just make things... Uh, way less transparent. Um, the League of Women Voters show that the use of these techniques has been increasing every budget session since 1998 at a steady pace. And like I said, this is a, a group that's pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty uh, neutral. Um, they did point out that this peaked in 2016. In the, the legislative session in 2016, Democrats were in control of the House. Um, and then, but it has definitely plateaued there. There was a slight dip in 2018, but it's basically back to where it was in 2016 now. So this uh, didn't used to happen. So whenever people say, oh, this is how we've always done it, or Democrats did this way back in the past, no. These tactics are new. They are being used much more often, and the legislature right now is less transparent than basically it has ever been. So the League of Women Voters provided several recommendations for how to solve this issue, but lots of them, all of them, involve reform from within the legislature, which seems unlikely to happen. So Matt, that's a lot of information. Um, you have worked in legislatures before. Um, are, are, yes. they, are they as much nonsense as they seem from just watching them on the outside? Uh, I mean... There's a lot of it. Yeah. Like, the, like, the, first off, I, I agree with the study that came out for the League of Women Voters. Like, it, it's almost one of those things that's the uh, holding up 
something that we all know is true, but just backing it up with data. Mm-hmm. The things are getting less transparent. Um, I, I, I think that there's a, there's a couple of things. Number one, this is all by design. Like this isn't, you know, something that they're forced to do every, almost every state legislature in the country is the legislative leadership is becoming more and more powerful, right? Leaders. We talked about this a little bit last time about how, you know, when we talk about the legislature getting stronger, we're really talking about legislative leadership. Yeah. It's not, it's not even committee chairs anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's those in leadership, say very small select number of people. These are good tools for them to be able to get things done fulfill promises, you know, w- without having to negotiate with people. But saying like, don't worry about it. I will get it done. No- nothing will stand in your way. And that makes them more powerful because that makes them the, the person that can just put something on grease wheels and get it done. <clears throat> the other part of it, and I, I know that this is more systemic and it's, it might be harder for people to, to realize, but capitals used to be full of reporters. Yeah. And I mean like full. Yeah. Um, the two that I worked in, you know, from 03 to 07 in Illinois, like, you know, there was dozens of reporters that were there. Were they just there to see Barack Obama? Uh, no, <laughs> they were, <laughs> trust me. Um, but uh, I mean, I guess when he like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of it was a weird time to see <laughs> Senator Obama, like just, you know, trying to be a state senator when he became a rock star. Anyways, um I'll have a story about that for another time, Robert. But uh, uh, no, I mean, it was the same in in Kentucky. You go up to the speaker's well, and they still had these like uh, signs for the correspondents that used to sit, you know, eight feet from the speaker and the Paducah Sun and the Kentucky Radio Network and all these. I mean, there's there's like three reporters in the state capitol right now. Like who if if you're a if you're a lawmaker, you're like, who am I being transparent for? Who's going to call me on it? Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, and, and by the way, Damon Thayer came out today and said that, like, none of this is going to change. Like, yeah. he said there's no reason to change it. So it's it's not good. It was nice of them to raise the issue. But, um, you know, uh, KET cameras that not that many people are watching, um, you know, lobbyists, they probably know what's going to happen anyways. Like, it, I it's don't me. know. It's literally just me and my website. That like it's yeah, it's it's a it's a bunch of dorks. It's me and the legal women voters. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just I'm just I'm just kidding, of course. But is it like I don't think that if there's not somebody in your face to be accountable to, and you've drawn yourself a district where you're not worried about anything, wh- why would you change something that works for you and your buddies? Yeah. You know, why would you? Yeah, and it seems it seems rather like hopeless at this moment. But but the thing is, like there have been like legislative reform movements that have happened in Kentucky's government and in every government uh, over time. Uh, and, and in Kentucky, which has, you know, historically been dominated by the Democratic Party, at least like in the past 150 years or so, um, you know, the way that it typically works is you'll have like a segment of like liberal Democrats or like civic minded, good government Democrats, um, even if they're not necessarily liberal, um, that, that then team up with the minority caucus, the Republicans, um, to get something accomplished. And we talked about the LRC um, last week yeah. that that was like a big piece of this once upon a time where like the these good government like uh folks this caucus of republicans and, and good government democrats basically like 
gave the LRC its independence from leadership uh, and, and fought fiercely for that for like the next like 40 or 50 years. And in addition to that, there was another big movement to like break the uh, break the legislature apart from the governor. It used to be that the governor wielded like incredible powers over the legislature, including like seating committee chairs and all kinds of stuff. And there was a big movement, I think, in like the 70s to move away from that. And that that was like successful um, because of these coalitions that they kind of put together of like liberal Democrats and the minority caucus who was like thrilled that, you know, the leadership of the other party was being disempowered. Um, that, that's what it's taken in the past. I do think like the, the, the minority caucus right now, the Democrats, the 20 Democrats that exist, uh, which is not necessarily historically low for a minority caucus. Like the Republicans got down to like 14, 15 at one point in time. Like you, this, the, like the minority caucus coming together with a group of the majority caucus to enforce some of these things is something that can happen. But I just don't see it right now for the people that uh, we have been electing to the legislature. I just do not well, see like a good government <laughs> caucus coming out of the Republicans in the House or Senate right now. So I, I, I agree with everything you said, but I think you left out one crucial thing, which is most big reform movements follow a scandal. That's true. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, those like, are usually yeah. uncovered by the journalists. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the FEC uh, came after, you know, was was beefed up after Watergate. Yeah. You know, um, the reason that LRC became you know, it was uh, Bob Trot led to yeah, huge Trot, reform. Yeah, absolutely. That was, um, the, that was the independence movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The independ- those, yeah. And you know, it, Illinois in 1970, like scrapped their constitution after mm-hmm. a series of, of scandals where it was, it's a really random thing, but they had a secretary of state that was like, he had $800,000 in $5 bills. Wow. And his fixed <laughs> all the corruption in Illinois. Nothing bad ever happened again. Yeah, I know. But, but you know, that's, you know, that that's what it's going to take and it's it's funny it's just the 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 long-term ebbs and flows and patterns of legislative government that you know parties dominant parties always corrupt themselves i don't care it's not a democrat yeah you know that's true it, it 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 just it happens you can't keep consolidating power and not expect people to either protect it or profit off it and it, it, you know like i'm i'm not trying to be a naysayer but it will happen you know in kentucky eventually um, whoever is the, you know, the dominant party, I'm not saying all the Republicans in Frankfurt are crooked or anything like that, but somebody will get busted. You can only get away with something for so long. And that normally precipitates a reform movement of, yeah. you know, we got caught and the folks who didn't caught want to assure everybody that, you know, this whole thing can yeah, still we're work. Not that bad. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not going to get fixed in 2024, but uh, be prepared for a lot of this stuff to happen again but we'll pay attention to it and we will let you know how much his stuff like kind of passes this way and it's it's egregious it is i mean the thing is like people keep getting away with it because they're like oh you know it's not that bad it's not that out of the norm and it, and it is just really important to just continue to say yes it is this is unprecedented it's worse than it's ever been you're getting away with it but you shouldn't be and don't act like what you're doing is normal it's not you're you're being undemocratic well, so there you go. Um, okay, uh, next thing we want to talk about, an update on this Louisville crime bill. So this is something we talked about several months ago. Um, and Joe Sanka, who has moved from the Courier-Journal to the Louisville, to Louisville Public Media, he wrote a piece this week updating kind of the progress of this bill as we are here just about a month away from session beginning. So 
it's an um, the the bill that was originally proposed. I I think you know it's an omnibus bill of a bunch of really bad stuff. So um, that they had a whole list and it came out. They put it up on X or I guess it was still Twitter back then, and it uh, it was you know it, it made a bit of a firestorm for a while in both parties. Um, and the biggest piece of news I think that came out of Sanka's piece was uh, kind of something that stemmed from a bit of the controversy with the Republicans, which is the part of what the bill would have done is give the LMPD the right to wiretap suspects. Um, and so basically what they're going to do is pull that part out of the omnibus bill and give it its own bill, uh, have it debated on its own, um, which doesn't mean it won't pass. It just means it's not going to be part of the omnibus. Savannah Maddox was the Republican who was probably the most public in saying that that she would not support this type of thing. Um, but I do not think she's the only one. She's just the only one who spoke up as loudly as she did. And, and of course, there are a lot of civil liberty concerns. I have a lot of civil liberty concerns with wiretapping suspects by the local police that uh, have resisted uh, accountability, I think is a good way to put it, a uh, gentle way to put it, probably more gentle than is necessary. But while that wiretapping thing has been pulled out, I, I do think, still think it has a strong chance to pass. Uh, one of the reasons is that Mayor Craig Greenberg, who is a Democrat, said that uh, this authority would be good. Like he, he supports this for stopping gangs. Um, we haven't seen any language for the actual bill, but but Greenberg did take care to say like he only supports a very narrow um scope for this wiretapping but he did lend his support to it so we're going to be watching this bill as it comes forward um matt what do you think uh do you think that this scandal around the wiretapping piece of this uh derails anything about the larger omnibus bill or do you think that the wiretapping bill might not pass because they pulled it out into its own bill well i think they i I think it being pulled out in its own bill probably increases it i think that the omnibus, the the Republican crime bill, was yeah, it was like there was, correct me, eighteen, nineteen There's a lot points, of points to it. There are a lot of points. It, yeah, it, it was purely put together for uh, Daniel Cameron's gubernatorial campaign. I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't things in there that Republican legislators didn't plan on moving, but like moving a, a Kentucky state poli- putting a Kentucky state police post in in Louisville, like that was just for the governor's race. That was it. I don't think it was, frankly, I don't think it was used very well by the Republicans. Like they could have made more hay out of it. But um, the things that like uh, shopkeepers privilege, like, you know, stuff, that, stuff that's like going to get worker, working people killed. Yes. You know, yes. Um, you know, I think that there are probably parts of it that are going to come out and they're going to run them on their own. Um, but I, I don't, again this is just my gut feeling i don't you know but i don't think that it was ever meant to be a i think it was supposed to be a counterbalance so okay like governor Bashir put out his thing about crime now we gotta have daniel's thing and uh daniel cameron's attorney general cameron's thing i don't sound like i'm too familiar but um yeah i i think that there'll be bits and pieces that get pulled out um like i think there was a three I think there was a three strikes and you're out. There was absolutely. It's like, let's like, bring back this really egregious, yeah. insane thing. Like we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. Like that's, I hope not. I, I mean, I don't I know. Mean, I, it would be, that would be, you know, that would be insane. Like it, it didn't work in a state that has more people than Canada. I don't think it's going to work in, in, in Kentucky. So that, you know, California was famous for the three strikes and you're out, yeah. but there are always, 
you know, a decade or a decade and a half ahead of the curve on everything. So, yeah, I mean, um, they had to get rid of it because it overpopulated their it, it, prisons it, by too much. It, it was... put their prisons to the breaking point. I mean, there's people that are in life in prison. Uh, there's a very famous for shoplifting a candy bar. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, like, I, I'm, I bet good money that this wiretapping bill goes through. Um, we're one of the few states that doesn't have it. I hope that it gets you know, used responsibly. I'd be curious to see the kind of provisions, but no, I don't think there's enough Savannah Maddoxes in the, in the yeah. legislature to stop it. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, it is just kind of like the, like these civil liberty things, they get passed and then bad things happen and they just kind of fly under the radar. Like, you know, people are like, if we pass shopkeeper privilege, like you said, which basically gives people who own like gas stations and stuff, the right to like basically shoot people if they like, I don't know. Well, I, I, I'm more worried about somebody that works for target. That's told like, if you see somebody stealing a, I don't know, like, or somebody, somebody works at a liquor store. I mean, I don't know if they sell booze at target, but like, if you see somebody stealing a handle of vodka, you have to try to stop them. Yeah. Like there people aren't getting paid enough for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it is like, these things are going to happen. And, and, you know, they'll probably make the newspaper and maybe you'll read about it because, like, somebody in South Louisville or something, like, died because of something like this. And, like, oh, yeah, oh, that seems bad. Why did that happen? It's like, oh, yeah, we passed that bill a few years ago. And it's just, like, this is the kind of thing that happens. We have to just, like, stay on top of this stuff. And it is really messed up. And hopefully we can d- do our best to derail some of this stuff. But, yeah, it is just going to be an uphill climb. Anytime uh, they have will... a chance to mess with Louisville, they'll do it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I will say this politically for, you know, Jefferson County Dems, Mayor Greenberg, um, anybody in the law enforcement community, like it, 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 if they get their wiretap, like it better work. It better lead to a, a reduction in yeah. homicides. It better lead to higher closure rates. Um, for like, it, it's the kind of thing that if we're going to give you uh, uh, this enormous tool, like it, you know, you want to see results out of it. Yes. So it's it is a just purely political. Not a law enforcement expert, not a, not a cop, yeah, or not, not a civil liberties. It's purely lawyer, political. Yeah. Like every time you do something like this, the it, voters do say, "Where's my return?" Yeah, yeah. We're giving up this. We better get something in return. That is the trade off that they're making. All right, a few quick hits before we end the show this week. Um, first up is uh, Dan Johnson, who is a longtime Louisville alderman and Metro Council member. He passed away this week. He's been in the news a bit lately uh, because of the trial of Anthony Piagentini. Uh, So Dan Johnson is one of only two other Metro Council members to have been removed from office. He was removed in 2017 for sexual harassment charges, um, but was a very unique figure um, other than that. Like he, he, you know, it did not end well for him. Um, but the middle had a lot of strange twists and turns. Uh, Matt, did you ever have any dealings with Dan Johnson? Uh, and what do you think about uh, anything that you want to remember him by? No, I mean, not anything more than a, you know, a, a hi, how are you? Um, but I do want to give, uh, I thought Joe Girth's. That Joe was Gerth's, so uh, good. I thought that was very good. It was good really, art. really good. And yeah. it's, you know. Uh, Joe, if you're listening, I don't think you're a talented writer or a smart man, <laughs> but this was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I, it was, you know, it was a really, I hope if I have such a nuance to life as former councilman, uh, Dan Johnson, that somebody can put it in, in, in such good words. But I, I, I to me, the thing about him is like, that's, that's a, he, he is part of a, of a political generation 
that was wild. Like we're not going to see, I'm not talking about later in his career, just like his ability to, you know, knock doors, know everybody's uh, business and get their votes is like, it's a talent that's just going out politically. So there's a um, few that, that maintain it, but yeah, it is definitely not the same as it used to be, especially in like the tight knit community piece where it is like knowing, like knowing who these people are, like knowing exactly who it is that you're knocking on the door of. And yeah, Dan Johnson um, famously called for a massive arena downtown in like the 1990s, um, and then uh, that idea was like laughed out of the laughed off the table. And of course, it, it happened a couple of decades later, um, and he wasn't invited to like serve on any committee about it or anything like that. Now he was a strange person and was not invited to be in any sort of select committees at all. Um, but yeah, you know, in a lot of ways was ahead of his time, even though he had a lot of weird stuff and including up into including some like some very troubling and problematic pieces of himself. But yeah, go read that article. Go read that remembrance by Joe Girth. It was, it was very good. I definitely, can I, can I add like just a really strange little thing? Oh, definitely. Please. With Kentucky politics had two very, problematic dan johnson at the same time at, at yeah. the exact same time and in 2017 somebody called me and said this is i'm not making light of this at all guys uh, but someone called and said um dan johnson died he killed himself and i had to say like which one yeah you know what i mean because they were both yeah. they were both, both yeah and they were both going through something heavy yeah yeah. So, anyways, yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Dan my, Johnson. My lighter Dan Johnson story is, you know, I have a, a, a couple friends that live in his district, and some of whom are very civically active and are like always calling their metro council member and stuff. And so, one of them ended up adding Dan Johnson as a friend on Facebook to try to be able to communicate with him more directly. And he kept inviting her to to like his farm on Farmville. So she was like, "I have to like like Dan Johnson's <laughs> farm so that I can like talk to him. So that was uh, like I said, man, it was a, you know, <laughs> it's a unique, di- unique last of a, yeah. <laughs> of a dying breed. Looking yeah. Farmville. I, I forgot Farmville existed. You know, and he's the, he's the type of guy that loved Farmville. All right. Uh, the next thing, speaking of Anthony Piagentini, who just came up, he has, uh, that trial that's upcoming, which will be before the Metro Council, and the charges against him were read in Metro Council last week. That sets up a trial for the earlier part of 2024. We had said, I had said on the show, it could be later than that, but it looks like it will actually happen early 2024. So we're just keeping you abreast of this, and we'll talk about it as more happens. Matt, I don't think I've asked you, but uh, do you think he's going to survive, or do you think he's going to get kicked out? I don't know. Yeah, I really, I, I, I really don't. Um, guy's a charmer. You know what I mean? Very much so. Uh, yeah. And and like some people are just survivors. I, I, you know, if, like he really went for it with the CEOC, you know. And there's something almost admirable about the amount of money that he he went to grab. But you know, it. Almost I, I admirable. Mean, I mean, it's almost like, if, you know, it's what it's like, do you want to steal a box of pens? No, I want to steal a quarter million dollars. Um, not to say that he's I'm not saying he stole it either. He worked clear. hard for that money. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't like I don't I don't want to. He worked. You know. He worked hard getting them a lot more money. That's a, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, could come down to, you know, could come down to the 24 elections could come down to, yeah. you know, whether Kevin Bratcher is sitting there. Yep. Um it could come down to 
you know, is there a democratic scandal that pops up between now and then? He also, I, like, I, 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 you know, as a person, I like, uh, I, um, <laughs> I just, he's always very pleasant to me whenever, you know, I, I um, but, you know, if he, you know, if he did it, like, it's going to, it's going to be hard for people to not vote to convict if it's, you know, but if also weirder stuff has happened. He's trying to make it as part as that was, possible. that was the worst, that was the worst answer I could have given, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. It's the best answer you can give because it's the. It's right. also it's also like an absurdly arcane process <laughs> that it, it, it you know yeah. does doesn't make a ton of sense anyways, and uh, you know I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Good answer, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, an update to the anti-displacement ordinance that Kate Turner and I talked about on uh, November the 14th. So Mayor Greenberg, after it passed unanimously, decided that he would not sign it. He refused to sign the ordinance. So that doesn't mean much in terms of it becoming law. He didn't veto it. He just didn't sign it. So it will still become law. um, But it it, just the way that this came out of the media, it seemed like he was kind of caught flat-footed and didn't expect it to pass. And, and, you know, the fact is that it passed unanimously. Uh, So, you know, that does give me a lot of pause to say, like, are we doing enough communication between the mayor's office and the in the council? Uh, it is a little awkward um, when the only person who seems to oppose this is the mayor, when everybody from both parties in the the council is supportive of it. So, I I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. So, Matt, I know you know the mayor personally, and like it's a little awkward for you to talk about it. But like anything you want to say or not say, it's fine. No, I mean I I I, I is a tough spot. It, seems like though by letting it become law not supporting something that you know is a hot button issue which is you know without a doubt that it's sort of the worst of both worlds politically you know you're gonna you're gonna tick off democratic base you're gonna tick off metro council you're not entirely gonna make the developing developer community happy because you know it's still gonna become law maybe they're trying to buy time to iron things out but yeah, I, I, it is, you know, this is like sometimes an issue floats down and it just seems like it goes away, but you sort of want to peg it and be like, yeah, I think we might see that one again. Like yeah. this this is the kind of thing that, you know. Or as you things wanna, start to develop and we hear more stories or whatever, like we can go back to this one and be like, yeah. yeah and you don't, and I don't, maybe, maybe, you know, the, the administration reserves the right things go haywire to say this is exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. You know, this is I'm not going to try to veto something that is going to make me look like a fool because it's got unanimous support. But by not signing it, maybe the administration will reserve the right later on to say, we told you, you know, but the other side of that is it works out. It's a success. People are happy with it. It keeps them you know, anti-development yeah, people. They, like, and it did seem like, I mean, it was just like the communication of it seemed like the awkward part where they, the Republicans and like the more development focused people on Metro Council, the more development focused Democrats, you know, the, this ordinance went through a lot of iterations and was toned down quite a bit to a framework that, you know, they felt like everybody could live with. And that was like a lot of the work that got done. And, and everybody kind of came to the table and was like, yeah, this is something we can all live with. And it just felt like after this happened that just the mayor's office just wasn't part of that whole process um and and, you know i know that the organizers who are behind this ordinance really don't like the mayor they they didn't like him when he was running for government or for for running for mayor um they didn't like him when he was a developer himself uh and and so like it is 
uncomfortable. Um, but, but, you know, it is, uh, it is just probably not the best look, um, for the mayor this week, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Is this, this was, um, sort of the, the, the came through the work of councilman Arthur, right? Um, he was the person who ended up supporting it really strongly, but it was like the anti weop people and like the the anti, like, uh, yeah. I just bring that up because as when somebody leaves any kind of le- legislative chamber, there's always this sort of, all right, I'll give you, even if I was against it or I was on the fence, I'll, the people will be deferential to something that's important for a, yeah, that's true. a member on their way out. That's so it's just something to keep in mind. Last thing to talk about, um, ahead of the 2024 legislative session, which is, again, about a month away, um, a group called Kentucky Together, which is a consortium of progressive organizations here in Kentucky. I think they're led by, kind of led by the Kentucky uh, Center for Economic Policy or KY Policy. They have put together a movement. Um, I don't know what it's called, but uh, I think it's called Lawmakers Have the Money to Deliver More for Kentuckians. Uh, so I don't know if that's what they're going with, but it, it, you know it's true. It's a sentence that is true. Um, it seeks to have the legislature actually actually spend more of the nearly $4 billion that sit in the rainy day fund. That's a lot of money that we could use to spend on a lot of things. The The website has the website for this, this group that is available at Kentucky today or Kentucky together.com. Um, they do have a lot more about why this is happening. Some of the accounting shenanigans that have led to the legislature sitting on this, you know, massive pile of cash that has to do more with like tax cuts and stuff. Um, but it's nuts that we have this much money that we're sitting on when so many Kentuckians have healthcare issues, housing issues, lots of other things that people need. Uh, and we're just not spending money on it because we want to someday cut taxes. So that website again is KentuckyTogether.org, And you can use that website to write a letter to your legislator, which they make very easy. And I encourage everyone to do that. Matt, um, any chance that we're going to spend some of this money? No, no. It is not the prospects are dim. But yeah, as long as long as as long as Kentucky has a governor or people who want to become governor and will need to talk about the rainy day fund and how they added money to it, uh, it doesn't matter how much it's raining outside. Yeah. Like, and I, I do th- I do think you touched on something, Robert. Though I think that you know Republicans see that as you know the reason that they're going to continue to uh be able to cut income taxes so they want to oh no there's possible matt you should go read the website because it's like it's it's part of the legislation that passed that the rainy day fund has to be over a certain amount before tax cuts are automatically triggered so i'm gonna read the website i'm gonna write a letter yeah do it your legislator will be very happy to get it uh i do believe it is the spouse of the person who put the form letter together so um that is that is that all right um matt matt irwin Thanks, man. Two weeks. Hey, this has been uh, like n- no joke. I- I've really, really enjoyed uh, being on your podcast with you. And I'll, anytime you uh, need, uh, anytime somebody interesting, you know, ducks out on you, and you're looking and you're desperate, I'm your man. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sorry about your Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Alabama gonna win the whole thing now? You think? You think they're gonna? Uh... Yeah. I, yes, and I'll tell you why. It's yeah, it's not because they deserve to or anything like that. Yeah, you know, it's not sour grapes to say that officiating was just <laughs> horrible. I mean, it's you know whatever. I think that this team beats Alabama nine times out of ten. This was just the one out of ten. Whatever. No, the reason it's going to happen is because like it, it's just it's just what's going to happen. Does that make sense? Alabama is going to tick everybody off by being in there. All right. 
They, I mean, we beat we beat them in an SEC championship and lost to them in in the national. Yeah, that championship was another hilarious. The doctor. same yeah. year. That was very that like was very that funny. is going to happen. It is an is them breaking everybody's heart is as American as apple pie. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, listen, everything had to happen the way that it did. And you knew it was gonna. Well, Looking no. at it, you're like, you no, look no, at it and you not go, just, hey. not just that game. Everything the weekend offered had to happen right. exactly the way it did to keep Louisville out of the Orange Bowl. Um, and as a Kentucky fan, that is something that I I do think is a little funny. Um, we're going we're going to the Orange Bowl, and I'm finding a great disappointment. Yeah. Uh, well, Louisville um, fans would have been thrilled, I think. Um, it was sad, and I feel bad for all the Louisville fans who are now stuck going to the Holiday Bowl, wherever that is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways, it's probably yeah, it's, it sounds nice though. Yeah, yeah. We'll but see, no, we'll thanks, thanks again, Robert. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and, for... and yes, it's been great, Matt. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I will. I don't know exactly what we're doing next week. Is the inauguration, so I don't know if I'll be here. We'll see. Um, we'll we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll do a best of. Who knows? Uh, keep watching, keep listening, and uh, you know, you'll you'll learn when it comes out. So, anyways, uh, everybody. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MyOKYPod. You can find our uh, podcast at the Podcasting App of Your Choice. You can sign up for our newsletter, which doesn't really come out, but it might someday at tinyletter.com slash newsletter. And you can, um, you know, just get in contact with us however you feel like doing that. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week.